guys? Welcome to another episode of the Mean Enough Podcast. I am Ace. This is RB3. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite film directors and the deeper meaning within their films. And welcome to the one-year anniversary. Yeah. And for our one-year anniversary, we have our first in-studio guest, and that is oh. Mr. Cody Hall. Hey, guys. What's going on? Sign a round of applause. Happy Thank to be yeah. here. Thank you so much for having us, man. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on after I publicly uh, called you guys out on Twitter for, for <laughs> yeah. having me on. Yet. I appreciate that. I pulled a real Roka. It works, apparently. Yeah. I guess I got to start doing that a little yeah, more often. Yeah. Yeah. Just call people out. It's man. like, man, they haven't had me on their show. I guess I got to call them out on Twitter. <laughs> How many followers do <laughs> they got? All right, let's do this. Let's yeah, do what's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. But uh, either way, man, check. we appreciate it. We're oh, starting yeah. season two of the Meaning of Podcast. This is yeah, what I'm is, calling it. Is season two. Is That's season two, man. This is the darker season. It's officially been This is where like the directors and stuff that you choose are like the really experimental ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we went through all the mainstream choices. Yeah, the crowd-pleasing season. Yeah, (laughs) this is where the critically acclaimed stuff comes in. Next season, RB three has another partner, and he's like a Latino guy. (laughs) What happened to Ace? He's like, don't stop talking about Ace, man. (laughs) Nah, it's not. Y'all just say you got like surgery, bro. Like like, soap operas. Yeah. Uh, but either way, we're starting off this new uh, season of the Meaning of Podcast with a guest, with an in-studio guest. That mm. Being here at the Collider studio now, we have the privilege of having guests. And I actually really wanted you to be our first guest, man. Aww. Not just because of the tweet and not just because I <laughs> texted you on your birthday and told you that. But also because you mentioned Spike Jones yeah. as a director that you would mm. want to talk about yeah. on the Meaning of Podcast. Because I remember uh, about... like. Six seven months ago, when we were on the Schmoes No Show, you actually came up to me and were like, "Have you guys done Spike Jones yet?" Yeah, and I was like, "Nah, man." And he's like, "Oh, I wouldn't mind doing that." And I was like, "All right, Cody's yeah, got I, a director in mind." Yeah, because I figured you guys have already done Spielberg, Nolan. You guys know all the stuff that everyone's obviously that's their favorite directors, but like Spike Jones is a weird one. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, as a skinny white hipster, of course I gravitate yeah. towards the skinny white hipster director. Um, so I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, this. Spike yeah. Jones is going to be an interesting episode. But before we get into Spike Jones, we're going to get into last week's comments where we talked about Shane Black. And uh, <laughs> we had a mixture of uh, discussions on Shane Black, on his yeah, films, man. and on some serious stuff, and on not, not so serious stuff, because let's face it, most of his films aren't serious at all. Yeah. Um, but the first comment is from Travis Smith. He says, I think studios are going to think twice before giving Shane Black a big budget or franchise. Stick to small movies like The Nice Guys. I think that's kind of it. I think Shane Black... I was talking to a friend about it over the weekend because we were talking about The Predator and his like negligence, I guess, is what yeah. you can call it. I think... I don't think it's going to cost him his career, but I think it's going to cost him some time as far as studios kind of being like, mm, oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he can handle this yeah. type of money, and I don't know if he has the responsibility. The money. It's the money, man. You, it you, really you, is. You can't go with those big budgets anymore. Yeah. You'll probably just yeah. do another buddy cop, a low-budget buddy cop movie well, or something I, like that. I, I yeah. talked to RB3 about it. Obviously, you weren't here last week, but... Yeah. It, he kind of makes the same movie he does. over and he over. He does. Kiss, I Kiss watch Bang Bang and the Nice Guys are like the, the same, same exact thing. movie. Yeah, yeah. They and even I love have, both. Yeah. They, have the, they actually have like exact same shots, like the underwater naked shot is yeah. in both movies. Falling off a balcony is in both movies. Yeah. When Proto Cop falls off a balcony and then Ryan Gosling. I was like, dude, he's making the same movie. Like parties yeah. with boobs out. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, the Weapon has a lot of same, yeah. lot of same moments. So he kind of makes the same movie over and over again. So yeah. I'm assuming he's going to make the trilogy Something of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang yeah. Nice Guys. And then yeah. he's going to make a part three to that. It's, it's like one set in the contemporary, one set in the 70s. The next one got to be set in like the 20s or something. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. 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 Uh, cool. yeah. 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 
Christian Jacobs says, how would you guys feel about a Ryan Gosling Batman and a Jake Gyllenhaal Joker movie? What does that have to do? Wait, what does that have to do with Shane Black? Okay, Ryan let's, let's piece this together, guys. All right, piece this Ryan, together. Ryan Gosling, Gosling was in the nice guys. I think, okay. okay. Oh, okay, okay. I'd ask now, this. Gyllenhaal, yeah. that's, that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah, I don't know I how he piece that, that one together. From. I think it came from me. Okay. Because <laughs> you're I'm doing... Always, okay. I'm always talking about Jake Gyllenhaal and my passion for Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> don't we all have that passion? We should. Everyone should have. Yeah, yeah. But either way, Ryan Gosling is Batman RB3. Your no, thoughts? No, 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 no. Cody? Probably not. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think he'd want to. I don't think he wants to either. No. I think, you know what I think Ryan Gosling wants, and he's really trying? An Oscar. He yeah. really wants an Oscar. Because yeah. that first man trailer, I was like, ooh, he's like pushing them tears out. I always out. say Ryan Gosling is like the best Ryan when it came to like picking parts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're talking about Ryan Reynolds and, you know, Ryan Gosling, you know. You like Ryan Gosling, right? I love he's, Ryan He's the hipster yeah, skinny no. guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's right in my demographic. It's right there. I can't yeah. turn that down. Yeah, he's really good. I think... Uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah, uh, the you're, driver, right, you're right about the Oscar thing. I think, like, with oh, each he's movie, trying. he's like... You can see it in his face because yeah. it's literally about to explode. Like, in Drive. Mm-hmm. La La First Land. man, he's just like... He's La La Land, he looked like he wanted to explode. But he got a nomination. He got a nomination for La La Land. He did? Yeah, he did. Nice. So He has, like, three Oscar nominations, right? Yeah, I think so. He's the next leader where it's going to take him like 20 years <laughs> yeah he he wants to be taken seriously yeah. i think after he did what what was the movie crazy stupid love is that what it's called uh yeah i think after he did that he was like everyone thinks i'm just this that was his guy. One crowd yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm nah, not just nah, a hot that was guy. a season one episode of, uh, <laughs> season one. Up right yeah there, that was I, mean, I love crazy stupid love i love movie. that yeah, movie that's too. a great movie yeah. yeah yeah what's her name uh aunt may um, oh, Marissa Tomei. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's yeah. unfair. <laughs> unfair. Yeah, man. It's too It's too much, man. I can't handle that on me. Yeah. I got some doing it right. I can't yeah. take her seriously at all. Um, LJ Panther says, this movie was all kinds of trash. Requiem was the worst, followed by this one. Uh, that ties the Predator... Uh, that ties with Predators as dog shit movies with some great <laughs> elements. He's talking about the new Predator movie? <laughs> yes. Mm. Dog shit movies. I'm passionate about bad. that one, yeah. man. What, yeah. did, what was your thoughts on the Predator movie? Oh, Cody? I didn't like it at all. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I thought there were parts Thank where you. I was like, all right, that's fun, but it seemed like it was a... A movie that was just chopped and put together by Thank too you. many different people. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Cody. I agree. They let Shane Black be Shane Black for like three scenes, I think. And then the rest was kind of all Studio over the place. Studio notes. Yeah. 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 I, I said the editing was pretty awful. Yeah. Really awful. Mm-hmm. But I still had fun man. with I it, know, man. man. I mean, I've I seen know. worse movies I this year. Fun. It's not that bad, but it's just, yeah, I don't know, like it. Were you a Fallen Kingdom guy? No. Okay. I watched that RB3, again this past weekend. It is not good. RB3 is a Fallen Kingdom oh, guy. Fallen he Kingdom. loves that movie. Yeah. Maybe because I, I care more about the Jurassic Park yeah. franchise yeah. than I do the Predator franchise. That, that's but, what we agree. Oh, man. It you was not have, good. Uh, you should have seen our review of it because we Ooh. talked about Because I'm a Jurassic Park guy, too. Yeah, you know of course. That. Yeah. Um, and we did a review of it. And we didn't know our thoughts going in. And we, <laughs> immediately, I was like, RB3, I hated this movie. And then he comes back and he's like, I love this movie. <laughs> it's one of the, him and Brian, man, it's one of the weirdest things. <laughs> They like that movie. And I was like, yeah. how do you guys? I would not, if I was putting money down on Vegas, I'd be like, all right, they're not going to like that. And yeah. Be, explains and why that, I suck at Vegas. That's man. that, you know, to me, Fallen Kingdom was finally the Jurassic Park movie that I thought like the Jurassic Park <laughs> franchise was the entire yeah. time, you know? Yeah. And then it finally like fit into the puzzle, like just well, perfectly. Well, that's my, uh, obviously, it's a far fetched comparison to compare Fallen Kingdom and The Predator, but that's kind of my thing with it is like, Fallen Kingdom doesn't take anything seriously, neither does Jurassic World. But the first Jurassic Park kind of did, no, wait, and wait. I countered that. The first by, Jurassic Park did, yeah. But, yeah. but my counter is the Predator. Everyone thinks like this first 1987 
movie is like the serious dude, dark okay. and gritty oh, movie. Dude, and I'm now we're going it's a cheesy over the top muscle guys. Stop it. Okay. Hold on. Muscles shaking. Ace, I've been with you most of the time. Um, the first Predator is fantastic. Thank you. Oh, thank you, It Cody. is not just 80s cheese, oh. which it is. It, it is, is 80s cheese. It is all 80s cheese. It is, there's a lot of that <laughs> in there. It's fondue, yeah, bro. That is a perfect example of, like, telling a story and then flipping it on your head, like, midway through it. Mm. Be like, what the fuck's going on mm. now? It's a brilliant story. Yes. I love the Predator. Yes. I like it, too. The but first I, Predator. I don't yes. think it's, like, this here, experimental Thanks, dark and gritty film. We got to have more guests. They or, like, more philosophical yeah. film. <laughs> Because for me, like at least Jurassic Park, you can you can tell like what what Michael Creighton wanted yeah, to do yeah. and what Steven Spielberg wanted to do was challenge the audience a little bit with some yeah. thoughts and with some questions. The Predator doesn't give you any questions. It's just a bunch <laughs> of guys shooting at an alien, versus like what making a comedy out of that. Because the Predator is a comedy, the new Shane the Black one. The new one, yeah, basically. Yes. And Fallen King, not Fallen Kingdom, I wouldn't call it a comedy, In but it is kind of, it is. of a spoof. <laughs> yeah. If anything. It's, not a, oh, it's kind on, of it's a spoof, a, spoof, a parody. It's of not the a first. spoof. It's not a parody. <laughs> it's not a parody. That's what you said about the Predator. Yeah, but it's not even like, that's not even comparable. Like, they weren't know. intentionally making jokes. Like, there was only one funny scene that was like, oh, this is like parody level. is like Chris Pratt with the lava. I think that was a parody scene, you know? That's not how lava works. Yeah. That's not how lava works. I think that's a parody scene. I definitely think that's a parody scene. See, I don't you think see, the rest of the movie In the was. first Jurassic Park, I think they would try to get lava right. Okay? Yeah. In, in, the, in this last one here, it's just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not just that, but the fact that I still love it. And everyone has said it before, so I'm not original by saying this. But either way, the whole, like, you get your giant gun and yeah. you point it at your enemy. <laughs> then what do you do? You wait for the dinosaur to get there. <laughs> it's like, wait. <laughs> just, like, stare to the last possible second. Yeah. It's like, wait, can I just shoot the guy? I mean, yeah, but that's not that cool. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. So either way, if you're going to get a gun and point it at someone, wait for a dinosaur to get there first. Yeah. Uh, last comment, Severed and Bleach says, gotta go with Ace on the Predator. I'm not gonna sit here and defend the movie, but I had fun with it, and it didn't put me to sleep like Jurassic World Fallen okay. Kingdom. Okay. Okay. There you go, pushing in there. That was a random comment that I just read, guys. Hey. It was handpicked by an Ace012. I was gonna say, yeah. I gotta start picking the comments, man. Yeah. I, I know for sure there's at least two comments on my side. There's at least two. I read one that called it dog shit. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, alright, you're right. You're Either right. way. A lot of conversation yeah. came out of that comment. A lot of conversation, right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the comment section is real fiery this week. Um, <laughs> got, got me fired up, please. So let's get into this week's episode. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to get into our guest, mm, Cody okay. Hall, the man. And I feel like we're going to do this. This is me telling RB3, obviously, because he doesn't know. Yeah, I don't know. Surprise, Robert. No, he literally <laughs> just shows up and he's like, hey, I'm going to do something different. I was like, Feels okay, like we're what? both guests and today. Here we yeah. go. Let's see what's going to happen. I'm sorry, man. Guests tomorrow on the show. But I, I just feel like if we're going to have guests on the show, we should get to know them a slight bit. Obviously, oh, yeah. we're not going to make like a You could try. Don't you'll, be a you'll be disappointed. But yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> You'll be disappointed with what I get you here. Obviously, we all know each other through the schmoes nose, mm-hmm. and you were the intern before me. Yeah, the one right before me, um, and that's how we met. That's how yeah. RB3 and Cody met as well. And obviously, if you're going to intern for a movie podcast, it's because you have some sort of love for movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can't lie, Cody. Just on a side note. I, I remember seeing that picture of you and Mark and then Christian tweeting out. I, I think Were you the Christian. guy that said, uh, F that guy, I know way more about movies than him? Because I still remember that. My first day at Schmoes, <laughs> Mark posted that picture and this guy was just furious that I was the new intern. And no, I like, but I, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's definitely not. That's yeah. pretty much everyone else's yeah. comments on yeah. everything. But uh, 
I do remember thinking to myself, oh man, I would have loved to have done that. Mm-hmm. That's that's too bad. I, I really would love to be like an intern for that show. Mm-hmm. And who knew that a couple months later, it sure was right hey. around the corner, dude. But yeah. uh, but either way, that's how we met, and obviously we had the epic uh, Cody wedding. Because oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. Thanks I know. for being there, both of you. Was that, that, was, that was a great time. That was a blast, yeah. man. Yeah. That was a blast. I remember I was talking to my, my buddies over the weekend, and we were talking about the urge to dance because sometimes <laughs> it comes upon you. You were out there um, for a little bit. I was, I was keeping my eye out for yeah, you. I was like, I wonder if Ace Arbiter was out there since the first song. But I was yeah. like, I wonder if Ace is going to come out there. Ace and then is going to Ace is Once Sing Street came on, he was out there. Oh, yeah. I'm going to join you in for that. I love that. The world unites for Sing Street. Absolutely. It brings people together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but either way, I, I had a lot of fun, man. I told my friend that that's the last time I, I danced, and he was heartbroken. He was like, man, you should dance more often, Do brother. it, dude. Um, <laughs> we're walking down the street. Like it's just a good feeling. Yeah. We're going to end this episode and dance. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, let's dance. Yeah. But, uh, but either way, man... Uh, You've do you are you from LA originally like this area because I know uh, RB3 is I've always grown I've never not like born in LA I was, grew up in a uh, Corona which is basically an hour and a half outside LA mm-hmm. born and raised there and uh, rarely ever came to the city here though I was gotcha. usually any like big drive would be like to San Diego or Orange County or something like that it would never be to LA and I realized it's because I kind of hate it here. I kinda, well, I hate like downtown LA, where yeah. it's like all just so congested and everyone's just so angry all yeah. the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, if like right now I live on the I live in LA County technically, but it's on the border, to where mm. it's like it's a little bit more spread out. You can enjoy yourself a little bit. Sure. But you know, this is where what we do. You know, this is the whole area. So. Sure. Yeah. Speaking I got nothing against that. Speaking of what we do, um, was it always your plan to move out to LA? Was that like a high school thing? Yeah. Or like a college. Uh, thing? I always knew I wanted to get into film and shit in high school, but uh, around college, me and my classmates had like, oh, sorry, uh, had arranged to like get a place out here and all that stuff. And then I met my uh, my girlfriend, who eventually became a wife, hey. and uh, derailed that whole plan. But uh, glad <laughs> glad to have that happen. And yeah, that was kind of my whole thing. Uh, I didn't think I was gonna get the Schmoes job because I was still living in Corona when I applied mm. for it. I remember they originally posted like six months before I even applied. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to apply. There's no way they'd even want me to do it. And then they uh, posted it again. And I was like, okay, well, what the hell? I'll give it a shot. And then it all worked out. And then uh, the rest is history. That's super cool, man. And what what was the – I mean, obviously, RB3 and I have talked a lot about what movies kind of inspired us to kind of take this journey into this – crazy industry mm-hmm. that it is because it's insane yeah um what kinds of movies what movies you don't have to name one you can name two or three or yeah. four um the biggest one obviously was jurassic park that was the one that yeah, i loved as a right. kid and that was the one i always watched more than anything in the world but the movie i think that got i've brought this up many times but the movie that got me into movies and told me that they can be more than just fun was collateral oh yeah which uh again is about a guy who hates la um <laughs> so naturally i fit right in right. uh but yeah that movie i remember seeing it when i was like 12 or 13 and i was like this is really cool and then i just started to get into movies after that and then started writing in high school and stuff and then bam what is uh what is the uh, ultimate goal man is it directing writing editing yeah i went to school for with not an emphasis in writing, but like that was that was the most of the classes that I took. I wanted to be a screenwriter and all that. Learned immediately that that is a very bad idea if you're trying to make money, um, especially out of college. And <laughs> but you know, I got that experience, and I'm I'm glad I did it. And uh, that's my favorite thing to do. So the end game, I guess, would be to be a working screenwriter, developing into a production company and all that stuff, and running your own thing. That would be the end game. But would you, uh, yeah, would you consider TV? 
Oh yeah, I've written TV before. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Because I feel like I think TV is a little bit as as someone who's like worked with a few writers and stuff. The, the stuff they've been grinly, grit, grinlit, greenlit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> grinlit. Take your time. Yeah. So, Gremlins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know you're nervous that I'm here, Ace. It's okay. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. I can't believe I'm talking to Tony Hawk. It's the first like kind of internet yeah. type type deal. Ten thousand right followers on Twitter, man. <laughs> I saw, I, not I, yet. Not yet. We're not there yet. Okay. That's a lot of followers. Yeah. Is out there right now, right? Yeah. I, every time I go to your Twitter, man, it's like, man, this guy tweets just like trying to catch once up to a me. month, and he's got. When like I 10, do tweet, it's fu- it's freaking golden, dude. <laughs> it is yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. golden. Yeah, it's yeah. always golden. Yeah. Either way, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's interesting for what what happens with screenwriters because screenwriters have a very difficult. Yeah. Um, you got to just kind of have fun doing it to yeah. where you can do it, like when you get home at night. You know what sure. I mean? Where you get back from work and you're like I'm gonna write a couple pages and you're like that. That's it's become like a hobby. You know what I mean? Something sure. that you can enjoy doing. Yeah, that's great, man. I feel like screenwriting is something that goes under scene quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's mm-hmm. that's really cool, man. So yeah. is it is it? Um, would you consider anything else? Would you consider directing? Would you consider acting? <sighs> Look, I'm not. I I would never want to be a director. I don't think just because gotcha. I'm not a bossy person at all. Sure. I don't think I can tell. I have like. Asking you guys to do something like during Schmoes back in the day, I was like, "Can you guys fix that?" And just whenever you have time, I know uh, it needs to be fixed right now. That's just right, whenever right, it's convenient, right. just go. I don't. I hate like <laughs> telling people what to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love the idea of like being a producer and owning a production company. That's that seems like something I could do. But it's like developing ideas and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. that's great, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I always forget like you're you're so much younger than me. All of you guys are way younger than Not me. Not that younger. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I know. We're man. in the same area. Yeah, Every time yeah, someone's yeah. like twenties, three months together. younger. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're a child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back in my day um, back but, when bread was a nickel uh, <laughs> seriously um, back when bread was I remember those times no I'm kidding um, <laughs> are you Roker right now or? either way uh, Spike Jones. <laughs> yeah. there's a reason why he chose this film director mm-hmm. yeah. tell us that reason Mr. Uh, Cody it was, what uh, is it about his films uh, well it was also during the time that I mentioned before when I first saw Collateral or that time where I'm discovering that movies can be more than just fun and I sure. think uh First movie I saw from him was Adaptation. Yes. Okay. And I was like, whoa, this is freaking awesome. And as a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, (laughs) it was right when I was like getting into writing and shit. And I was like, this is, this is right up my alley. This is perfect. And then I just, I watched all of his other stuff and I, I, I think the guy's fascinating. That's great. Especially since he'll do stuff like that and he's won Oscars and then he'll produce stuff like Jackass. Yeah. And like do music videos for Jay-Z. And it's just, it's so weird. His, his whole spectrum of stuff that he's done. That's that's uh, it's funny because that's kind of like a follow up question of mine is like, what is his, you know, target demographic? But then again, when it comes to his music videos, when you see the kind of artist that he works with, he doesn't really have a certain specific demographic considering he's done so many artists. But his movies do have a specific voice i feel personally yeah. um you you are self-described as you said before film hipster or yeah. hipster guy i say that like in a self-deprecating way i don't yeah. i don't like to be called that at all but <laughs> i i definitely look like that i can i can guarantee that i kind of feel like that yeah. may be his audience mm-hmm. when it comes to feature films i don't know if you agree with that rb3 i don't agree but when it comes to i'm not a, i'm not a hipster so yeah, yeah he likes it's it. a good yeah. point yeah. i'm yeah. definitely not yeah, you're gonna see how much i like his movies we're gonna get into it yeah, Ooh, I'm so yeah. Excited. yeah. Mm-hmm. but before we get into his feature films Let's get into a little bit of his music videos. Now, mm-hmm. I sent you, Cody, a few music videos that are very popular Spike Jones films. He has a lot. Like yeah. RB3 said beforehand, he has a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about his um, music videos is the fact that he always brings in something different and he always works with different artists, which I feel yeah. like that's because there's a lot of music video directors that work with the same artists over and over again, which is great because you can make some great content with that. But 
what is it about making a music video that can translate so well into making great movies? Because we've talked a lot about music video directors. I mean, we talked about David Fincher, who's a very famous music yeah. video director who became David Fincher, you yeah. know, Oscar nominated David Fincher. Yeah, Michael Bay. Um, Michael yeah. Bay is another one. So music videos are, it's either short films or music videos, I feel personally, that kind of get that foot in the door when it comes to directing. When you want to say, hey, I want to be a director, okay, try a music video yeah. or try a short film. Mm-hmm. Um, but music videos are like a takeoff point. So what do you think it is about the making of music video itself that can translate so well into making good movies? I think it's how they find their voice. You know what I mean? It's how they find their style. Uh, a lot of his early stuff was campy. His mm-hmm. early music videos, like you saw with the Weezer one and the mm-hmm. Beastie Boys video, like it's yeah. all, it's it's self-referential and it's, it's way for him to like poke fun at, I guess, the genre he's tr- or the industry is trying to break into before he even breaks into it, and it's it's right. kind of weird if you think about it that way. But yeah, what's yeah. your uh, what's your favorite music video of his? RB three. Um, my personal favorite. No, I, have, I have two favorites. Okay. Um, I'm, I was trying to look up the one he the one where Christopher Walken's like dancing. That's to Fat the Boy hotel. Slim, right? It's Fat Boy Slim. All right, yeah, that one. And then um, I also really love uh, Notorious B.I.G. Uh, Sky's the Limit. Yeah. Where's uh, the little Wazer. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the Biggie video, that, that was nice because it's a, you know, he, he, uh, Biggie already passed at that point. So yeah. he cast a bunch of little kids, which is like funny because it's like like kind of a satire of like, oh, it's like childish shit. But it's also like kind of inspiring because the song's about being, you know, Sky's the Limit. So yeah. still potential. So I, I thought it was really dope. Um, I also love his commercials too. He did he did a couple commercials that I really really dug. He did this one for IKEA. It's called like Lamp. I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you guys have ever seen I've it, I've heard it's, those it, words IKEA Lamp Spike Jones. I've heard that. I yeah, I've yeah. seen it. It's it's but. literally like the weirdest like commercial ever. Like yeah, hmm. I don't know if we should play it right now, but because I don't think it'll play well on the audio. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll imagine it. I'm yeah, we'll imagine it. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. 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 We'll buy some stuff. What about yeah. you, Cody? What is your favorite Spike Jones music video? Uh, probably the Sabotage one, mm. I would think. I remember watching that as a kid all the time. I didn't even know he directed it until you sent me the link. I was really? like, oh, I didn't know he did this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that one's a lot of fun. I remember watching that all the time on MTV2. MTV2. Um, Control Freak. Do you guys remember that show? You weren't even born I yet. wasn't. Uh, uh, the show, see, it was like people would vote on videos. Like, they would vote on which the next vi- what the next video would be. Oh, really? And for some reason, Beastie Boys Sabotage, a video from like 15 years before the show even was on, <laughs> uh, kept getting voted. And it was, it was fun. Yeah. That's good. Who, was that on MTV? That was M- I think it was called Control Freak, and it was on MTV2, I think. Uh, Back who, when that, that a, channel played music videos. Was there a host, though, for that? <laughs> no. Oh. No, it was just like a... Uh, it was weird. It was like you see the video and then it had like a sidebar where it had like oh, three yeah. options that people voted on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I do remember that. Yeah. Um, just for the audience, uh, an example of the kind of artists that he's worked with. I mean, he's worked with Weezer, Beastie Boys, R.E.M., uh, the Chemical Brothers, Fat Boy Slim, Fat Lip, quite a lot mm-hmm. with Fat Lip. Uh, Bjork, he's in a lot of Bjork or Bjork. Bjork. I've never known how to pronounce it. Yeah, I've never pronounced yeah. it either. Yeah, it's Kanye tough. West, Kanye Biggie, West, yeah. uh, Jay Z. I mean, the guy doesn't have a specific type of artist that yeah. he works with. He, do, mm-hmm. he goes from hip hop, he goes from experimental hip hop to like mainstream hip hop to like Beastie Boys to Weezer, which mm-hmm. is a very specific audience for Weezer. I love Weezer, so I think it's, it's Cody's great. the audience for Weezer right there. <laughs> Once again, white people uh, right here, right here. Yeah. But uh, but some of the videos I, sh- I showed you, I, I shared with you the, um, is it Buddy Holly? The Buddy yeah. Holly one? Oh, yeah. Good karaoke song. I feel like everyone's seen that. Have you seen that yeah. music video? Yeah. Where, where it, it kind of mixes in footage of Happy Days, mm-hmm. and it makes it seem like he's playing for like that Happy Days place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the Fonz kind of breaking it down and getting down to it. <laughs> um, and obviously Bjork, Bjork is kind of like 
known for their weird music videos yeah. or like their very specific yeah. music videos. <laughs> yeah, because I do remember um, working for a certain company that would um, try to take rights to music videos and try to make their own version of like an MTV. Oh, interesting. Um, and I remember Bjork coming up quite a bit, so I've seen quite a few of uh, Bjork's music videos. And uh, they're always super weird. And they're always like super distinct and super cinematic, super like visually beautiful and all that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's crazy how he can go from all these different artists and all these different types of music videos. I also shared with you guys the the Get Back with Ludacris, <laughs> yeah, which is probably my favorite. It's one of the most ridiculous videos I've ever seen. It's, it's, it's so cool. It's funny, but yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's weird. It's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, on Spike Jones. It's it's kind of interesting now that he's so well regarded as a music video director, and that people can actually big artists can go to him and say hey i have this idea what do you think of this like even two weeks three weeks ago oh, when little pump little pump and kanye, kanye west, west <laughs> uh, he did i love it, it. yeah oh, wow. well he uh he didn't direct it, it was, okay. he executive produced it but yeah right. yeah i don't know what that really means for a music I, video i think it, <laughs> he's like that's a cool idea <laughs> I, I don't go know man him. i, I kind of feel like he it feels had, like a spike jones it does where they're like in the little box suits you've seen the video right not not the one you're talking about oh no way yeah 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 I'm I not mean, hip with today's music videos. It's not, it's not in the show. Like I could really show you a picture, and it's the entire music video. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's it's basically uh, rapper Little Pump and rapper Kanye West are. <laughs> are you gonna okay. say rapper Little Pump, rapper <laughs> Kanye West, African American men? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Little Pump. I don't even know. I don't know about that guy. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, so I, podcaster Ace Cabrera, so Weezer here. guys, uh, <laughs> rock band white Weezer here. people. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> it's like I describe it like a snobby British. Man. <laughs> they appear to be in these box yeah. suits and they're walking down a hallway. I don't know what purpose um, uh, somebody named Lil Pump would be like yeah. other than being a rapper. You know? Like, <laughs> like a gas station attendant or something like that? Or like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Or the barista's like, can I have a Lil Pump yeah, of that? Lil Pump. <laughs> Lil Pump. You get that Lil Pump special. Lil Pump All of right. that pumpkin yeah, spice yeah. though. <laughs> oh, um, it's great around Halloween Either way, time, it's yeah. basically <laughs> Kanye West and yeah. Lil Pump okay. and they're dressed in box suits and they're in a hallway and they're like miniaturized or appear to be miniaturized okay. and they're in like a, a weird like neon colored hallway they're walking down the hallway and they're chasing after this girl who's like normal size but they're small and they're just looking at her butt the whole time and they're yeah. just chasing after them okay that's the perfect description of this yeah music video. yeah i mean it is not a it premiered at the porn hub awards oh, yeah. Cody, so okay it's not like high art we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Here, but i mean funny. it's kind of high art no, <laughs> it's kind of a big For deal me. now robert yeah. Yeah. but i guess my point is he continues to make stuff yeah, even executive yeah. produce stuff whatever that means as you said before either way he's still making stuff so yeah. i i just find it fascinating the way he can transfer over yeah to take those skills to make very distinct voice in his music videos, mm -hmm. even though it's such a different, you know, artist levels and artist, you know, demographics to make feature films. Because I feel like that's almost the biggest thing to have in whether it be making films, making short films or making music videos is to have a voice, yep. is to have a style. And I feel like, you know, if anything, that's probably the biggest question is like, if you were to try and nail down what is the Spike Jones voice or what is his style or what is the reoccurring theme that comes up in all his movies, now we're transferring over to movies, Yeah, what do you think that is? 
What do you think is like, this is a Spike Jones movie. Like, (laughs) that's what makes you say that. Yeah, I guess there's there's a hint of, like, melancholia to it, Mm. to most of his stuff. Kind of like a happy, sad type thing. Mm. But, Mm -hmm. uh, Like the the, the double size, like, of of life, you know? I mean, like, he shows you the happy. I get that. I like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's not afraid to show sadness in his movies, but, like, well, poking fun at it, I Mm. guess, in that sense. If that makes any sense. Right, 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 right. Yeah, Yeah. no, exactly, exactly. Um, well, I, I kind of think what's most fascinating about like Spike Jones personally is that I think that all of his movies, we really look at all of his movies, they're all set inside of somebody's mind, mm. you know. Um, being John yeah. Malkovich is set inside somebody's mind. Adaptation, adaptation. I mean, arguably, I mean, you could argue if it's like real or surrealism or like what is it going for? But like, I think it's kind of mostly internal. I mean, the way the movie ends is a little, little too meta to not in that yeah. where the wild, you know, where the wild things are is supposed to be a metaphor. And of course, her is like, you know, her is like the mind being outside of the outside of the body. So yeah. that's why I kind of felt that. But yeah, that's that's the recurring I see personally mm. through, through Spike Jones. You know what yeah. my follow up question is for you guys is what makes a what makes a, a, a well known actor like a John Malkovich like a Meryl Streep want to work with a sp- with like a first time future film director? I always and this is something that's like a personal question for me because I always wonder like what makes these great actors work with first-time directors? Is it their short films? Is it their music videos? Is it the script? Because I've seen a lot of interviews with, you saw Hereditary, mm-hmm. right? You're a fan of that movie. Yeah, big fan. Um, Ari Aster, right? Who's mm-hmm. a first-time director. What makes people like Tony Collette, mm-hmm. is that her name? Um, or or the guy who played the husband. Gabriel Byrne, yeah. Yeah, Shmodown. you know, well-known actors yeah. <laughs> want to work with a first-time director on this creepy horror film. Like, yeah. that's such a fascinating question for me because I feel like nowadays, actors of that caliber want to work with like, Scorsese's and want to work with like big names to give them the award push or give them the challenge to do something different. But when it's a first time director, if anything, if I'm a well known actor and I'm like an older veteran actor, I'm going to be like, mm, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm not going to work with this 26 year old kid or 32 year old kid who's just starting to make movies. Yeah. What makes these actors, John Malkovich and Meryl Streep and all these actors, want to work with a Spike Jones, a music th- video director? I think it's a combination of all the things that you said already. And then also, from everything I've heard, like in similar situations, is that they want the director to be passionate about the work they're making. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's, of course, an easy thing to say. But like, I remember who Emma Stone. Emma Stone was talking about La La Land. Mm. And of course, you know, Whiplash had come out at that point. So Damien Chazelle had a name. Um, at that point, but she remembers, I think she said that she, the main reason she joined La La Land was because he was so passionate about the project and he wanted it to be as great as it could be. And I think a lot of times, a lot of directors just kind of go, you know, by the numbers and they just make their movie. But like, I think, especially if you're a young guy, you have to show them that you're serious about what you're trying to do. Right. And right. you have to have a shit done talent and as much resume as you possibly can. Right, 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 yeah, right. Which Spike Jones did at that point. Uh, before making being John Malkovich, right? Mm-hmm. No, and uh, you know, like you said, it, I I think that's exactly. It. I think he has such a strong vision. I mean, especially when you look at some of these concepts. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. You if if you know you're to tell somebody the concept of being John. Mal- if you're to go to John Malkovich and tell him, hey, I have this movie that I want to direct. Your name is on it, and I want this to be this. Like yeah. you have to like. It's all firm- hinging on John Malkovich saying yes. Yeah, really? yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Like. Well, the irony of that RB three is. The fact that it's Joe Malkovich. I mean, this yeah. guy's kind of notorious yeah. for yeah. being not easy to work with. Yeah, but I think it's. I think. I think also actors who are a little more experimental also do the sure. do yeah. like like working with first time because I know you know we talked about Tarantino and Harvey uh, uh, Harvey Keitel mm-hmm. uh, was the guy who really backed Tarantino for the Reservoir Dog script. 
and got mm-hmm. that through. So it's you know I think it was almost the same kind of thing with this situation. I I heard I did hear that they when they brought being John Malkovich to the studio, the studio like literally asked like okay like being John Malkovich why can't it just be called being Tom Cruise or something you know like a yeah. big star yeah. but because that you know that's that's the vision that's what they want they wanted that specific kind of tone that specific kind of persona behind his movie so it's just super fascinating that he held so strong to that throughout his entire creative process yeah Yeah. for me that's always a fascinating aspect of filmmaking is the fact that giving a first-time director a chance to make something and then giving them the right cast so that movie can be somewhat of a success right because any first-time film director can make a feature film but making a feature film with a cast like a jail malkovich or even like the stuff steven spielberg did like when he would do tv work he worked with big actresses same with fincher he would work with some big time actors i mean even his first even as crazy as alien 3 was because it was a crazy process he still was given this it's sigourney weaver who was leading a franchise yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so he was still given that chance even though he was a young kid music video director who seemed to be really talented, like you said. Yeah. So I, I just personally find that fascinating. But mm-hmm. either way, let's get into his first film, which is being Joe Malkovich, which is kind of like his claim to fame. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's still what he's known for. I mean, obviously, her kind of took off and kind of gave him a bigger name. But being Joe Malkovich was such a weird film yeah. <laughs> that it kind of gave him a name for being that quirky genius, I guess is what you could say about Spike Jones, considering walking out of this movie. I, I, I'm curious... Because obviously this movie came out in 1999, which I was eight years old. I was watching yeah. Phantom Menace and the Matrix in 1999. Um, so I wasn't interested in this movie at that time. No. But I'm so curious about like not just box office numbers, which I guess I could look up, but also like the audience reaction watching this movie in theater, right? Yeah. Because watching this at home, like you can watch this movie at home like I did. It's fine. It's whatever. You're, you're, you know what you're getting into. But when you see the trailer for this movie and then you go to the theater to watch this movie, I'm so curious about like an audience reaction to it because it's such an odd film. But obviously, I want to talk to you guys about it because you guys are the big Spike Jones fans. What is your scale of love for this movie? How much do you guys like it? How much do you guys love it? How much do you feel like it truly is like an original type of movie? Oh, it's super original. Um, this is probably the one. Yeah, this is definitely the one of Spike's that I've seen the least. I think I've seen it once, maybe twice. Mm. Um, but I, I just keep thinking about what you said. Like, if this thing came out today, it would be distributed by A24. Yeah. Yep. We'd yep. have a trailer that a bunch of film snobs liked. Yep. And then it would probably uh, get, like, three million opening weekend of the mm. box office and get, like, a D-plus cinema score. Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, it's still great, though. And then, like, in five years, it would get cult following. Right, right, yeah, right. That's right. how I would predict it going It would go on Amazon. Yeah. Amazon Prime would be the only exactly. place you could find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Would, would the Twitter, the official Twitter account, be, like, trolling people the yeah. whole time? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys, Someone takes over John Malkovich's Twitter account, <laughs> and it's, like, a different person controlling it every time. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, that's lit. No, yeah, that would be a lit. That's, that's a lit promotion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that that to me is like the biggest thing is like people's reaction to these types of movies. But especially back in 1999, I feel like people were slightly more open to this type of experimental yeah. stuff. Yeah. But what, do, what about you, RB3? Do you uh, love this movie? Um, yeah, this is um, – well, listen, I don't hand out a lot of 10 out of 10s on this podcast. Oh, but I think uh, being John Malkovich is very warranted of uh, the 10 out of 10. It's Jurassic wow. World, Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic World. Being John Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this, to me is one, this to me is easily my favorite Spike Jones movie. Um, really? And, yeah, I just – I remember – I remember watching this um, my, I want to say like my junior year of high school or something like that, sophomore year or something like that. But it was like so, it, it blew my mind so hard because I never, 
I can never imagine a concept that, you know, original, I guess, to a certain extent. And, you know, kudos to the writer, Charlie Kaufman, who, of course, has written this one and Adaptation and Tony Sunshine, Spotless Mind and, and Silver Trouble New York and all these great movies. Um, but this one in particular, I just felt like it really resonated because it's about the whole idea of control, right? Sure. How we want control, how we manipulate control, and how every character kind of resembles a different facet of that. Like how John Malkovich is like losing his control by having people control his mind, control his body. But we have the control freaks and and like John Cusack, you know, with his puppets. But then Cameron Diaz is like the opposite side of that. She has a control freak problem too, but with pets, right? With like living animals. Mm-hmm. So it's like how all of those three like kind of, you know, it kind of weaves together in a super weird way, but it's super smart. And I don't know. I love it. I love it. I watched this movie. I've watched this movie like a lot of times. So I, 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 I've, uh, I don't know how many times I watched do you it. Feel like that, it's, it's dope, dope for me. Do you feel like that control aspect is also like a commentary on power and how we how we view power itself mm-hmm. and how maybe that's how... You guys get deep on this show. This <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. how kind of the characters themselves like view the, the concept of power. But I mean, obviously control, but it's also the concept of like... I'm my own director of my own movie. Like I can make my own decisions based on characters that I can just do whatever I want because it's yeah. a, it's a basically like being the puppet master, right, right, um, and being the puppet master of whatever you want it to be and taking full advantage of it too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you. No, I think follow. that's. I mean, I think that's where I think that's the whole meta aspect of it too. It's like the art of creating something that. The art of creating something is essentially putting control into creating it, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're an artist, you're gonna paint something yourself, you're gonna, you know, puppeteer something yourself, you gotta direct something yourself. And I feel like this is kind of a peek into the into how we puppeteer people and how we use an actor like John Malkovich, <laughs> who is who is you know uh, uh, even though you know known for being I guess known for being difficult to work with, he's also a very well regarded actor and yeah. both stage and screen. So he's obviously you know he resembles a lot of other people anyway, and by other people I mean like other parts of the characters, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's you know he's never really himself to begin with. So it's just fa- it's just fascinating that that's the parallel that's made, you know. Could so I think a, it's super meta, like on, on that level. Yeah, it could be a statement on acting in general too, mm-hmm. like you know how we're always becoming other people regardless, and it could just be a reflection on that. I just thought about that. Right, right, cool. right, right, uh, right. Side note: It made one million opening weekend, a <laughs> 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 million dollars opening weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we weren't far off, guys. We were far off with our guest there. They weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for it. Did it get Oscar nominations? I know adaptation did. I don't know if this was nominated for three. Oscars it was okay interesting so wow. best uh, supporting actress for Kathleen Keener best director for Spike Jones oh, nice. and um, best uh, screenplay of course um, and this is weird because this is Spike Jones like actual debut right yeah, yeah. he got yeah. nominated for best I mean it's not weird I love it I think that's yeah. that's great that's great you, you just know? rarely see that yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. How, would, how would you guys classify this movie what genre is it Ooh. I feel like that's a tough question because I, I mean yeah. at points it's very I mean, funny, right? Of so many different absurdist sci-fi. comedy, absurdist comedy, sci-fi experimental. That's pretty good. Yeah. Sci-fi, but I think you know that's what's drama. I, that's what I love about Spike Jones because I feel like all of his movies you can't really categorize into no. one specific genre. You know, I, yeah, yeah. yeah I because I, I was gonna say when I, I I saw I rewatched adaptation on Hulu because it's on Hulu and mm-hmm. I have Hulu. Yeah. You should get. You guys should read Hulu's description of it. It's so funny. <laughs> Do they just give up midway? They're through? Like, it's like, so a screenwriter. <laughs> screw it. Uh, watch it. It's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hulu's uh-huh. is like, uh, check out this crazy cool comedy from the creators cool of comedy. being John Malkovich. And uh-huh. I was like, 
what is this like Disney Channel's description? <laughs> a comedy? Like adapta- I don't consider adaptation a comedy. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. funny points of it, but I just feel like it's funny because classifying these movies, giving it a genre, is so difficult to yeah, do, especially tough. with a being John Malkovich, which has a ton of like funny moments. Right. But at the same time, it's difficult for me to say, oh yeah, it's a comedy. Or is it a comedy? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it, I think I I think it's more there's a lot of funny in it like maybe there's like a, a lot dark of comedy it's maybe? a dark comedy maybe yeah, if you're gonna go yeah that but the ending's yeah. real dark though i mean the yeah. ending is real <laughs> it's pretty messed up the, the ending itself uh where you know he she uh, the homie gets trapped inside of the kid right the yeah. uh, uh, malkovich and, and it felt the, like that uh, uh that black mirror episode um from like a year or two ago and stuck one? in the doll or whatever oh, oh, that that's awful. yeah right, yeah kind of yeah. like a similar idea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well i always kind of thought of uh, you know, I you know, and of course it's kind of silly, but I always kind of thought of uh, get get out as like the spiritual sequel. Have you oh, seen the yeah. fan to, theory? To be, the fan young. theory about that. Jordan Peele addressed <laughs> this too, where like Catherine Keener and and being John Malkovich is the same, same character in Get Out. Yeah, it's like what? really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Jordan That's Peele crazy. joked like if he ever makes a sequel to Get Out, he would put John Malkovich in it. Oh. To try to like complete the trilogy. Oh yeah. yes, yes. it's cool. Yeah, I almost feel like that now that you mentioned Get Out, and now that you mentioned Black Mirror, which is similar to to like a Get Out type concept, where yeah. it comes to these types of stories that give you, not necessarily, that that give you kind of like a bitter ending, not not bittersweet sometimes, but mostly bitter. Yeah. Um, like a Being Jail Malkovich, which has a bitter ending, and like. Black Mirror, which almost every episode has some sort of like, oh, crap, that's really sad. But it also has a commentary on something. Also like a Get Out, but even though Get Out ended on a positive note, um, I almost feel like that's kind of the stuff that people, people, directors now like a Jordan Peele and directors, future directors like an RB3 can take (laughs) these types of like movies as inspiration for the stuff they're making now, like a Get Out, like a Black Mirror. Uh, Another example of something that kind of blends the lines between comedy and drama is Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, and how Donald Glover. I don't know if you watch I, Atlanta. I've seen one episode, but I can I can see where the inspiration would come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, like this realism kind of. Well, what's great about Atlanta too? Now that they're entering season two, just like we are, um, <laughs> they finished season two. Um, but the way that they took their their concept and how they pitch it, almost like you know, the first five minutes of Atlanta or the first five minutes of episode one and you're like, crap, this is like not a f- comedy at all. I yeah. remember, remember the yeah. first episode. Yeah, the first That's episode That's like a serious two, yeah. drama <laughs> action scene. And then, but there's other episodes that are straight up comedies. It, it's that blurring. There's some episodes that are straight up horror movies. And some <laughs> ups, straight up horror movies. And some yeah. people got comedy out of that horror too. Yeah. It's that concept of like the audience member defines what they're watching, right? Mm. Whether it's a comedy or a drama or stuff. There was that controversy of the Golden Globes defining Get Out as a comedy which yeah. I personally feel like it's not it's a thriller it's not a comedy I say but some comedy. people you said it's a comedy oh yeah, yeah I do remember you oh yeah that. that's right yeah. Um, I still think it's a comedy and yeah. I, I, I still think it's a thriller but it's one of those things where audiences aren't really not being able to define a genre is like a genre within itself yeah right. how like it takes you in with the comedy aspects of it but then it kind of turns it on your head and makes you feel certain things that you didn't think you would feel for example I just finished watching American Vandal season two. Mm. I don't uh, know if you've seen that. I've seen the first episode. I haven't seen um, it. Yet. American Vandal season two. I literally just talked to Copster about it outside, and I told him I said it's crazy how I started out this season, and I'm not going to spoil anything. Kind of laughing the whole way through, yeah, and yeah. then I ended the season like, oh crap, this is like at the verge of tears, like emotionally <laughs> like drained. It's, yeah, that show is brilliant. Man. It's I love so the first season. crazy yeah. how like they can take the the most absurdist type comedy. And then transform it into like a really well thought out kind of bittersweet ending that makes you think about society within itself. Yeah. 
do you feel like that's kind of what being Joe Malkovich does? It, it kind of takes a, an absurdist com- uh, an absurdist concept, pitches it almost as like a comedy, and then kind of turns it on your head and says, "Oh no, look how shit this dark this can up. get." Yeah, yeah. yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's the biggest part of it. I think that's why. Um, it was so subversive when it came. I think it's still very subversive now. I think there's not really any movies that have come out that have resembled this kind of sense of like freshness or original originality, and you know, um, uh, as as expansively as I think this one was. Because I remember, I remember even showing a buddy of mine this movie, and who has no interest in movies like whatsoever. Um, but he was like super drawn in, and really? I remember when he, I remember uh, for him. Because he's just—I mean, he's not—he's not plugged into movies, but he's a smart—he's a smarter kind of dude. Um, not a smarter dude, but he thinks a lot and sure. he asks a lot of questions. So, like, literally, like, he got super excited when John Malkovich was about to go into John Malkovich's. Yeah. Head. Like, what does that look like? You know, yeah. I think that 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 whole concept is—I think the whole thing—and I also really appreciate it because um, uh, it also kind of has some very subtle, like, LGBTQ, uh, you know, um, oh, stuff yeah. in here. Kind of ahead of its time in that yeah, regard. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the you know, fem- you know, two. Two uh, female uh, lovers here, and, yeah, yeah, uh, kind of trans, you know, trans, you know, um, yeah. stuff here too with being in a man's body, but yeah, yeah. And kind of being stuck inside a body that you f- don't feel like it's your own, right, right, yeah. right, exactly, yeah. absolutely. I, yeah. oh, that's that's great. I didn't even it's notice a good that. movie, guys. Yeah, yeah it's great. Just kind of discovered this, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ten out of ten. Yeah. It's it's that it's that awful idea of like. But it's also like how terrifying and how that's an actual like genre within horror itself is what, what do they call it like body horror when it's someone con- possession someone controlling yeah, your body you can, you can qualify as that yeah. um, mm-hmm. where where it's like you don't have control over your own body and that's horrifying it's a within terrifying. itself yeah um, I, even when Get Out did it when they described that 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 the concept of the what is it called the sunken place mm-hmm. and the concept of the sunken place how that that within itself is horrifying just being able to see but not being able to control anything like mm-hmm. that's yeah. That's a horror movie. I mean, that's that's literally that's crazy. possession. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a comedy. We're gonna yeah. call it that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm but yeah, but it has so many different elements, and I guess that's what makes it stand the test of time. Because did you guys rewatch this, by the way? Do you feel like it holds up? Um, I haven't seen it in a while. But yeah. do you feel yeah. like it might just from? Your I think it memory, should. I think it, it should hold up. up. Yeah. Yeah. I, it doesn't. I don't matter. It doesn't matter if it holds up to me. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I just love how it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I yeah. think it holds up. I mean, I think all. I think all of his movies. I think all yeah. of. Uh, Charlie Kaufman's writing still holds up too because I think uh, he comes from a very postmodernist perspective when he comes to like it's a good word, being Robert. postmodern. Hey man, it's college mm-hmm. word. Hey, I'm not paying seventy five thousand dollars a year for nothing. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> so you get my money. Uh, that's right. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's yeah. But I think it, I think it, I think he I think he approaches in a very way that like stands the test of time even for the future. So sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Charlie Kaufman, let's get into adaptation. Yes, yeah. which is his next movie. It came out in two thousand two, starring Nicolas Cage as. Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. um, and as and Donald, Donald yeah. Kaufman, mm-hmm. which is so weird when you first watch this movie because you have no idea what's going on and you're like, is that is that his twin or is that like his other self or mm-hmm. is that like another side of his brain? Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess is, you know, how many different, speaking of meta, this movie gets meta, Ooh. so meta. Yeah. yeah. Meta to the meta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it could it could even be a, a metaphor within itself about that, about being kind of two different people and how they feel about, you know, two different sides of yourself and how you're always frustrated with one side and then you're frustrated with the other side and you can't make up your mind as what side you truly are. Yeah. Um, so this movie, I'm also curious to see theater's reaction to this movie coming out of it because... 
again, you can't really qualify the genre because saying yeah. it's a comedy for me is like selling it way short considering how many deep themes they get into in this movie. Yeah. But this movie stars Meryl Streep, Nicolas Cage, uh, Chris Cooper's in this hey, Chris movie. Chris Cooper, yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in this movie. Um, who else is in this movie? Who plays Freaking, the uh, uh, screenwriting uh, instructor? What's his name? Uh, Brian Cox. Brian Cox, yeah, yeah. Mm. Is in this mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. uh, what's her name? The girl who's like in every movie. Uh, Julie Taylor? Julie uh, Taylor? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. She plays the mom in Jurassic World. Um, I don't know who that. Yeah. She makes a brief cameo in this oh, movie. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about now. Uh, um, Judy Greer. Judy Greer. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like in everything. Yeah, and she's in this movie. You said, what'd you say before? Jurassic Julie World. Taylor. No, but would you, you said Judy Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Judy, Judy Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> Judy I mean, Greer, man. it's not a bad guess. <laughs> yeah. If you look at her from afar, you're like, yeah. mm, Julie Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she looks like a Julie Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Judy Greer. Either way. I always find it fascinating to see these types of movies with this kind of cast with a director who's done one one movie beforehand and yeah. not, you know, a super well-known director. And you're working with the Meryl Streep. Like, even in 2002, it's still, it's still the Meryl, Meryl Streep. Streep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I find it fascinating on, on that account. But ultimately, this movie blends so many different types of things. What do you think it's the overlying theme within this movie? Um, overlying theme. You want yeah. you want to crack that one, Cody? Or? <laughs> no, off top of my head, I can't. <laughs> off top of your head. All right. Well, I, I don't know. That's a shit ton. That's yeah. That's 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 a, that's a deep question. I mean, I think it, I think this movie's saying a lot, man. I think this movie is saying that the way we look for love is you know not necessarily um, within other people, but we have to look at ourselves first, right? Mm. And I think that's why having the duality of having twins is, is like a mirror reflection of yourself mm. makes that so makes that a much more interesting dynamic because he's he's always wrestling with like the positive and the negative of himself. You know what I mean? It's just externalized, you know? Mm. Um, but he has to find you know, uh, the Charlie Kaufman character himself has to find himself, and so does, um, and, and able to write his adaptation, able to beat the writer's block, but it's also about, um, you know, the story that he's writing is about somebody looking for love within themselves um, outside of the, the uh, what's, what's, what's Chris Cooper's character's name? Oh, I forget. I forget I the name. Yeah, remember like Teeth, though. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. Teeth, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But it's, it's, it's all about that, you know what I mean? I kind of feel like it was all yeah. about... John, to, John LaRoche. John mm -hmm. LaRoche, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, 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 I know think, they call him Roche in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's about finding love, but finding love in other people, but also finding love within yourself. That's how I take. Meryl Streep oh, is kind of going through the same thing in this movie too. Mm -hmm. Her character is going through a lot of similar themes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I agree. But I also feel like um, the name of the movie is adaptation, so obviously it's about originality. Yeah, um, that too. Yeah, and course. it's about you know what what is original if there is such thing as an original idea. Or the, if there is no such thing as an original idea, or if there is an original concept, right? And I love the the whole idea because you, we're you're a screenwriter mm -hmm. and we're we're filmmakers. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of taking a book and adapting it, right? So it's an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation, right? It's an adaptation of Meryl Streep's encounter with this plant orchard guy. Mm -hmm. And then she adapts that into an article. And then she's adapting that article into a book. And now Charlie Kaufman is adapting that book into a movie. Mm -hmm. And the concept of like jumping from one point to another to another to another and how a real life encounter can come full circle to become a feature film, right? Yeah. Or attempt to become a feature film because eventually he doesn't, you know, 
doesn't really resolve itself at the very end, but we don't yeah. see the finished product of a feature film. So we see the finished product of a, of a book. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea of like, how can I take an idea and from, from meeting someone and I meet that person and I have so many thoughts about this person, so many preconceived notions about this person, so many misconceptions about this person, right? You see the goofy teeth, you see the ridiculous, which even writes down like uh, delusions of grandeur, mm-hmm. um, smells bad. Like she has all these concepts of this of who this person is. It's like a low level white trash Florida dude, mm-hmm. and in reality, he's a smart guy. He's been through some shit. Maybe that's why his teeth are broken. He lost a fa- he lost a family member. His wife divorced him right after he lost a family member, and it's all these deep themes that make him a much more complex human being than what she initially thinks he is, which is just this goofy orchard guy. Mm -hmm. So she learns to fall in love with him because she's starting to see who he truly is and not just the surface level of what he is. So I feel like that's a portion of the movie itself too. It's so many different themes and it's obviously, I love the theme of, of adapting something, of taking what you believe to be someone's original idea and making that into a feature film. And I love the concept of like Tilda Swinton telling Meryl Streep's character, it's like, oh no, we got screenwriters for that. Yeah, yeah we yeah. got screenwriters. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh dang. Like, And I just saw the trailer today too, the irony mm-hmm. of the Fantastic Beast, and it says, by, oh, yeah. written by J.K. Rowling. Is yeah. this, I think this is the first one she's written. No, she did she the did first, the first fan- Fantastic Beast, but yeah. And, and the idea. <laughs> yeah, don't get Ace talking about Fantastic Beast. Yeah. <laughs> they get all the facts. But that's what I'm saying, like, exactly. <laughs> all my knowledge of Fantastic Beast, which is none. Uh, um, but it's the idea of like I just thought it was funny how we're going to talk about this today, of a writer of the Harry Potter books, and now she's writing the movies mm-hmm. that are a story within the Harry Potter books. It's that concept of like the writer of the book now becoming a screenwriter and then taking her ideas and making it a feature film for a much more bigger audience. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just I, I find that fascinating to say the least, and how. You can take a subject, whether it be flowers, whether it be movies, whether it be art, and make that a love of your life, right? Because that's what I think Charlie Kaufman starts to find, is that the love that in detail that she writes about flowers is actually the love that she has for a human being, which is Chris Cooper's character. And how his love, he has to take that love and fascination and put it onto another subject whether it be the author because eventually he like falls in love with Meryl Streep whether it be with the concept of success whatever it may be it's that falling in love is your biggest inspiration I think you hit the nail on the head there there, that's pretty good yeah Yeah. adaptation wow (laughs) Um, yeah I think that's I mean I think that's it and I think that's uh I think that's also, you know, ad- ad- adapting an original content, you know, is, is, is something that we all have a conversation about all the time. But it's just great that this is a movie that promotes originality, even through adapting a book about flowers. So I'm yeah. with it. Uh, and also a salute to uh, uh, Carter uh, Burwell. For the, for the music. Oh, we did the score on that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. yeah. I think this is, uh, we haven't talked about Nicolas Cage enough in this movie. Yeah. This oh, is one oh. of his best performances. Absolutely. Both of, them, both of his performances. Oh, yeah. Both, both of the performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Dude. He should have got Oscar nomination I don't think both. he did, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of his best work. Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, I always thought, I always say Nicolas Cage is really one of the greatest actors uh, that we have out. Yeah. Really, you know what I mean? And, and, of course, he has a lot of bad parts, a lot of bad roles, you know, a lot of straight-to-DVD. <laughs> They're great in their you know own sense. I mean? Great in their own sense, yeah. right, mm-hmm. right, right. But, I mean, you know, you look at his resume, uh, Leaving Las Vegas, uh, Adaptation. Uh, um, Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, all these great films. He's worked with, like, 
all the really most of if not all of the great directors um it's just you know he fell upon hard times and is not doing good shit anymore but that's just, i still think he's one to one he'll, of, he'll one be, of back. Our, yeah, be back yeah he'll be back he'll be back working yeah. spike jones again uh, <laughs> nicholas cage man he's such a good actor yeah, yeah. he's so freaking good and he's yeah. great in this movie as well obviously you guys already said that but it's so true it's something that doesn't really go as noticed and back in 2002 man this guy was in his prime yeah, yeah. like this guy was killing it he was yeah. making stuff that people remembered i remember you know watching a ton of movies growing up about nicholas cage and this was like my era the 2000 early mm -hmm. 2000s era mm -hmm. is like my era of like watching a ton of movies and yeah he's he's freaking great but i want to get into another topic that i feel like nicholas cage brings up in this movie quite a bit it's the concept of you said it rb3 how you view yourself yeah Right, and I love how Brian Cox is giving that speech and is like, "If you dare to have voiceover <laughs> in your damn movie," and then Nicolas Cage is like, "Oh shit," because <laughs> there's Bo going throughout yeah. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, but the concept of how he views himself, and it's obviously I already talked about falling in love, and you said about loving yourself, but he demeans himself at every every five minutes within this movie, right? He calls himself a loser, he calls himself fat and bald, and he even writes himself into a movie as a loser, as fat and bald. <laughs> um, I love how it opens with the being John Malkovich, too, at the very It beginning. opens with that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But even the main character in being John Malkovich is kind of that, you yeah. know... Similar, like, depressed, Similar, like kind I, of down just, on yeah. his luck <laughs> kind of guy. Almost like... I'm going meta, guys. Mm -hmm. How a Spike Jones maybe might perceive himself. How yeah. he's yeah. like, man, I'm just some dumb writer. Man, I'm just some dumb writer. Yeah. Like he's starting okay. to write mm -hmm. within himself of a character who's actually a writer, who's actually a writer that's yeah. written his movie. Right. <laughs> I feel right. like we need yeah. like a chart to like of describe meta. Yeah. the meta, <laughs> meta of this the movie. Meta We're like, all right, guys, look over here. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's part of that's that's a lot of Charlie Kaufman too. I think that's yeah. a lot of uh, Kaufman's uh, writing yeah. going into that, and, and and that's something you see in all of his movies how meta and how extra layers of meta his movies are willing to go so i'm with it yeah yeah that's a very good point is like how the writer writing a writer is mm -hmm. viewing himself is right. probably how he views himself too and to a certain extent mm. because i feel like that's probably the biggest takeaway that i have from the movie on a personal note right because i'm that guy i'm that guy who's always like <laughs> should i do this no i shouldn't do i'm gonna mm -hmm. do you know what i'm gonna do man i'm gonna get out and i'm gonna kiss her and then he just drives away <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me all the time yeah. dude all the time I'm that's like, all of us man. Oh, we, man, all have, we all have those i'm gonna things. go up to this girl and get yeah. her number and then i'm like cool Bye. <laughs> it's all about just this movie's all about just finding confidence in yourself. Right? Yeah, that's, that's a that's a big one. Because I feel like throughout the whole movie, he's second second guessing himself and yeah. questioning himself. And if he only realized, um, it, the confidence was in himself to take that and to become a screenwriter that a lot of people view him as. And he's so many times he's demeaning himself to the point that now his brother is taking over yeah. and is becoming a better screenwriter than he is just because he had confidence, because he didn't care. Yeah, the he was movie, breaking all the rules of screenwriting and he was succeeding mm, farther mm -hmm. than you know he did. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's that one scene in the movie, and I guess we can finish on this, is, is the scene when his brother tells him, he says, Oh, that girl that you had a crush on in high school yeah. was actually yeah. making fun of you, and I felt so bad for you. And he's like, "Why? I don't, I don't care. I yeah. don't care how people view me. That's her problem if she's making fun of me. I still think I'm cool, man." And it's like he kind of takes that, and he's like, "Man, I've I've always thought I was so much more talented than you, but I'm realizing even with your little talent, you can take that little talent and make it so much bigger. Yeah. And me with this huge talent, I'm so 
demeaning of myself that it goes I can't the take, opposite end. You yeah, can take it so much lower. Yeah. yeah, I can't do I can't do anything with this talent, and I'm more useless than anyone else if I'm not doing anything with my great talent. Yeah, and that's and that's what I always think it is, and and that's a real life lesson. You know, no matter how talented you are, it matters how hard you work. And yeah, obviously Donald Kaufman is a harder worker than uh, his brother. Yeah, yeah, and how you view yourself, man. Yeah. Come on, how yeah. you view yourself? Yeah, um, this is I I gave uh, being John Malkovich a ten out of ten adaptation was a close being a ten out of ten. I saw this in my junior year of high school. Cool, uh, and I, I really loved it. I just I thought I got a little too meta, you know. At okay, the end. it can be a bit overwhelming at times. Yeah, yeah. yeah the it also we talk about Predator. This also becomes a completely different. Movie yeah, that's what, that's, that's kind of like Predator. Yeah, that's where that's where it was for me. I was like, um, is uh, it the kidnapping scene? The kidnapping, yeah. alligator, alligator. Yeah, yeah I was the like, chase right. through the swamp and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, I was like, all right, this is getting a little too. You yeah, know. but hey, I, which I was kind it. of a reflection on screenwriting in general, though, which is another freaking meta thing that we're talking about. Right, right. Where it's like the third act has to escalate like crazy. Right, right. Yeah. Because that was that was Donald's like script, right? His whole script was ending with the alligator and the yeah, kidnapping. Something and stuff like that. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's like he took over writing the movie halfway through. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. That's right. yeah, I like it, but I just, you know, not nah, a little so too true. hard for me. A little yeah. too rough for me. It's it's yeah. I think this movie embraces how ridiculous it gets at the very end because it's trying to tell you how mm-hmm. movies can be so ridiculous at the very end. Um, yeah, and uh, the fact that it even has like a, a scene with the set of Bean John Malkovich in it yeah. too, um, <laughs> yeah. and it starts out with Bean John Malkovich too. I, I don't know. There's so many great moments in this movie. Even with uh, I love everything with Tilda Swinton's character for me is mm-hmm. hysterical, mm-hmm. as she's like breaking down certain things. Uh, but either way, I say check out Adaptation. It's still a very interesting movie to say the least. Um, and then this movie is next, and yeah. that is where the wild things are. <laughs> Woo! A movie yeah. that only Cody Hall has seen. Apparently. <laughs> it's a movie only Cody Hall loves, too. Hey. Every time I tell people I love this movie, they're like, oh, I hate that thing. I'm like, why? Oh, why? I think it's a be- Robert, have you seen it? Yeah. Ace, you have not? I don't think I have. Okay, no worries. Oh, I remember. No judgment. Yeah. I think you'd like it. Yeah, um, I think I, you would like it. I think it. Th- what this movie accomplished is incredible. Just uh, adapting a book that had like 10 sentences in it. Yes. That's the kind of adaptation I would like to do. Where it's so limited, you can it has this whole horizon where you can input all your creativity, and Spike definitely did that here. Mm-hmm. This tells a beautiful coming-of-age story about a kid who is messed up. Yeah. And it's just, it's so well done. It's a beautiful uh, mother-son story, too. Absolutely. It's, it's just about growing up and being able to not be a little shit anymore. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely think that this is one of the better family films as of late. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it teaches a real important message to kids of, you know, uh, when we're looking for our escape, you know, we have to look for escape within the people that we, you know, love yeah. and cherish, you know, and I think that's a good message. I mean, and I think, you know, where he goes out and he meets these giant, fluffy kind of creatures, they look like animals and scary people. But scary, yeah. Yeah, but they, uh, they, they're they nice and cuddly and play yeah. and do, like, a bunch of the kid stuff that he does, too. Yeah. So It's about, like, making your way into the world. The world can be terrifying sometimes, but if you make it your own and have fun with it, you can have a great life. Ooh. Deep. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> kids need to see this movie. I'm kids. telling you. Yes. It's not necessarily a kid's movie. It's not a kid's movie. But it's a really movie a, that yeah. kids should see when they're ready, it's I a, think. I say a family movie. It's a family. family. Yeah, you take yeah. your family to see yeah. it, you know? Um, I cried, man. I, this movie makes me cry. I think yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful film. Interesting. Very yeah. emotional. How was the reception for this movie when it first came out? I think generally it was well received. It was like a 70% of Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. Um, I thought it was my favorite movie that year. Um, oh, really? It was. Whew, this came it did out a lot for in me. 2009, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. So, where were you guys at in 2009? I was um, in my senior year of high school, so it was no peak film Cody. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
This is a good one. Yeah, no, um, I don't remember where I was at this time. <laughs> I think I don't really. Fetus. I was being born. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't even know if I was like really into into movies yet. You know, like a hundred percent. Because this was a little bit before Avatar came out. And Avatar was the one that like really like. Spe- what you know, year did Avatar interest. came out? 2009. Uh, but a little bit oh, after, yeah. like you know. And um, but I, I definitely remember seeing this like on home video, and, and of course uh, watching some clips of it. I didn't watch the whole thing before coming here today, unfortunately. But so watching some clips, you know, I mean, yeah. catching up, refresher, you know. And um, yeah, I, I really do think that you know, I, I don't know about the reception when it came out, but I think it's definitely um, amassed a little bit of a cult following as of as I of late. So. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, hundred percent sure, but I think there's a good amount of people who understand what they're trying to do. I mean. I, I know I know as a kid when I saw it when I was a little kid I didn't think it was like really fun like it no, was it, a fun, that, it's not yeah, a fun it's, movie it's not it's no Pixar you know <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna yeah. be like oh let's all get the friends together and watch that again you yeah know, it's yeah, nothing like yeah. that yeah I mean that's just kind of depressing but yeah <laughs> it's, it's good though it's good stuff it's kind of like yeah the same themes that we've explored already in his first sure. two movies but in a kids movie yeah what, what would yeah. you say is the is the modern version of would you say it's like a monster calls type that's really? a good comparison. Yeah? That's a pretty yeah. good one. Um, I, uh, similar ideas yeah. there about, like, depressed kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun mm-hmm. times. Um, I think Monsters Call is a little more violent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think that, but, you know, the imagery in this one throws a lot of people off, too, with the with the giant heads and the, the way their mm-hmm. their their faces, like, they move around. I thought the – is it puppeteering or is it, like, animatronics? I think, I th- I'm not sure. Yeah. It's, I don't probably, know, actually, yeah. it's probably a combination, maybe. Probably yeah. a combination, yeah. But they're yeah. really good. I mean, that's – I mean the way the way they had the detail in the in the faces was was the budget on this was huge. I remember too because oh, it, really? it I don't think it made its money back. Oh, I, think, I want to say the budget was like a hundred mil. Like it was really? it was a big movie. Yeah. Um, they really hedging a lot. On it. I remember it came out. This might be why some people don't like it too much. It came out like during the peak hipster time. Oh, yeah. Arcade Fire was in the trailer. Oh really? <laughs> like, oh, I think I remember I was talking to Gobster about this. Like he's like, I saw the trailer. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, come on, <laughs> come on. But so I, that might turn some people off. But yeah. if, you, if you put that aside and just give the movie a shot, I think you'll really like it if you haven't seen. it. Wow, I mean this. I mean it did have a pretty good opening weekend with thirty two mil. Oh yeah, nice. yeah, thirty two mil is pretty freaking good. Yeah, um, yeah. interesting. It's a hundred million dollar budget though. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, if, if, it, if it is 100 million, I don't know if it is, but if it is, then yeah, that's a lot. Uh, um, Cody, is oh, it is a $100 million budget. It's, it's it is. Oh, Jesus I thought you were saying if it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. $100 million. Yeah. That's why I'm like, where did, it, huh? where did that all spend? All right. Yeah, man. That movies aren't yeah, cheap. Man, so he did a much smaller film after yeah, this. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, what you say is your favorite, do you say? or Of his? Yeah. No, no, no. We'll get to my favorite shortly. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. We have a new Joker, and his name is Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is also oh in this movie. Yeah, um, I honestly believe one. that we talked about it two weeks ago. I believe RB three, who are the best working actors right now? Mm-hmm. I would put Joaquin Phoenix up there. Yeah, as one top of the best three working. For sure. I would put him as like one of the best. I don't know about you, RB three. Um, I put him up there. It's yeah. At least top five for me. Yeah. Put him, put him. RB3 is too picky, man. I gotta think about he's it. Like, I gotta he's think like, about well, it. hold on. Jurassic yeah, World, yeah, Fallen yeah, Kingdom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Up here. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. Because I feel like I feel like I keep throwing around the top three, top five number too much. Like, I can't say 20 people for yeah. top five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I think definitely Joaquin Phoenix Just say, like, they're in the conversation. They're in the conversation. That's an easy way of doing <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably in the top 75, I'd say. Yeah. They're somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you play it safe. 
I think Joaquin Phoenix is up there, man. I don't know. I, I every role he does, like the master. He's yeah, master's amazing. Master. Yeah. yeah, he's so good in that. He's, I mean, freaking Commodus in in the in Gladiator. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. so oh, good yeah, he's as Commodus in Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays like the perfect psycho in that movie. Um, yeah. And obviously in her, I believe he's a truly spectacular performance in her. He gives a really great performance. And her, what, what year does this movie take place? Um, I don't know exactly. I don't know if it has an exact like year. It's, it's in like, I don't know, 20 or 30 years from now. Yeah. I yeah. think something like that. What do you guys, obviously this movie touches on a ton of themes and obviously every three is banged everyone's head about it when it comes to Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> but besides Blade Runner 2049, what, what do you feel like this movie um, is saying about the future itself? Is it more a progressive future? Is yeah, it- I, I think that's what makes her the most fascinating to me is that this is one of the only sci-fi movies that portrays an optimistic future. You know what yeah. I mean? That it doesn't pret- start out that way, though. It no. starts out like when they're showing everyone on the bus or just or the subway just on their phones just talking. like And even walking across the street, they just don't even talk to each other. But you're yeah. right. By the end of it, it's it's a much more positive message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And It's I, a much more utopian version of yeah, the world yeah. instead of dystopian. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I think it's, it's easy for a lot of sci-fi movies to get caught up in the deep blue, like, underlit, like, oh, it's Blade Runner and everybody yeah. hates each other. But this is just a movie. People are just on their, on their own worlds yeah. and experiencing and. Sure, are they being you know manipulated by computers or mm-hmm. or you know having you know getting emo- you know getting emotionally attached to inanimate objects? Sure, maybe, but they're finding enjoyment out of it. They're finding happiness out of it. So it's kind of like Black Mirror to a certain extent too, right? It like is. like to me, like I definitely think the episodes like San Junipero takes a lot from her, and I think oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, at least you know from the aesthetic, right? Like yeah. from from being that kind of kind of futuristic, and also you know, nosedive takes a little bit from it too, I think. But interesting, yeah. Um, I mean, everyone in the future wears a lot of pastel for sure. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. hope that Colors, color scheme the doesn't. Uh, that color scheme, dude. That was those clothes guys. Oh man, oh, dude. Yeah. I can't get on board of that. <laughs> to be honest, man, this movie plays with colors so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Like, that's probably one of the biggest things in this movie. Is like, as soon as it starts out, you're like, oh, damn. This is a really yeah, the production cool-looking yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Like, right. the production design's off the charts. And obviously, the concept of, like, taking relationships and how we develop relationships with people. And now it's becoming the way that fast food changed the game for, you know, fast food, for food. Yeah. And how we view eating, it's now the tenders and the online dating <laughs> stuff are changing the game for the way we view relationships with people and not just relationships, but the deepest of relationships, right? Because mm-hmm. when you want a couple, when you want a marriage or when you want to be with that partner, it's the deepest of the deepest of the deepest of relationships, right? So it's that concept of the com- commodification, I guess, of relationships. And it's crazy now because um, we know people who've who've met off Tinder and stuff, so we can see the success stories of it. Didn't um, mm-hmm. with, with Copster? Didn't he mm-hmm. meet his girl off Tinder? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends met his wife off Tinder. Um, you you met her at a movie theater, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, Riley also. Riley, uh, Roca, yeah. Yeah. Roca, mm-hmm. yeah, Roca with Bumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, same idea. It, but it's that concept of like how it's being, you know, taking relationships and making it a quick way to get to know people. And now how you can get a relationship with the thing that gets you into relationships, which is your phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that concept of like AI. But one of my, f- I can't lie, my favorite scene in this movie is is also the funniest scene in my opinion. Is the scene where uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is like finally building up the courage to tell Chris Pratt who his real girlfriend mm-hmm. is because he's like, oh yeah, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, my girlfriend. And then finally he says it. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, my girlfriend's like this. 
and Chris Pratt's like, "Cool, man. Yeah, bring yeah. her along." Really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he thought it was it's gonna be like, "That's so weird." Yeah, judge him. Yeah, he's like, "That's super cool, man." Oh, I'll introduce <laughs> you to my girlfriend. Yeah, and like Chris Pratt is playing like Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we talked about the best Chris's a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I said Chris Pratt plays Chris Pratt in every movie, which is not a bad thing. It's fine. like a March Madness style bracket with yeah. Chris Pratt with Chris's yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. 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 But either way, that reaction kind of shows what Spike was going for mm-hmm. in his movies. It's that idea of a progression in society to the point now that if you're truly not harming anyone, the decisions you make should not allow anyone else to judge you. Right. Because we live in a city that is so open to the point that, you know, the concept of judging within itself is is taking like, oh, why are you judging this person? Right. For the decisions that they make to the point that there's an even extreme side of it where it's kind of all bullshit. And I talked about that couple weeks ago too about how la is all bullshit um because that's my i concur I, yeah I, th- thank don't you, worry Cody. yeah because I, I still think it's bullshit how yeah. they're like oh we don't judge and then in the back they're like well who the hell is that mm-hmm. guy <laughs> yeah but it's the idea of like if if you want to get in a relationship with that girl go for it if you want to get in a relationship with that guy go for it if you want to not be a girl go for it if you don't want to be a guy then go for it Whereas, as long as it makes you happy as long as you know? it makes yeah. you happy mm-hmm. as long as you're not hurting anyone else that's fine and I'm yeah. cool with it and I think that's what I think that I think the movie offers an alternative right an alternative point of view where we do see the real life relationship and the Amy Adams character and what she's going through mm-hmm. in her real life mm-hmm. and it kind of gives you that oh real love isn't working out for people anymore because yeah. we've you know and I think it's I mean it's, I'm sure it's not like really going to happen but I think eventually someday people are going to find a new way to experience love or connection to some extent so I think you know, Amy Adams' character mentions that she, you know, she felt like she was left out from like the rest of like humanity almost to a certain extent, and I feel like that's that's a position that some people are going to be in. But you know, you have some uh, a character like Joaquin Phoenix who is so lonely, who who only doesn't you know he he doesn't really interact with any other people outside of you know his coworkers, um, but he finds companionship through his through uh, computers and, and through uh, you know through, through an AI system. He finds out how to be human. Finds through, out how to, like yeah, it, it's exactly. all about you know Samantha tr- figuring out how to be human, but it's it's really more about Theodore. I would mm, say yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Learn how to love life again. Right. But do you feel like and obviously this is me, my interpretation of it, almost at the end where where he's starting to realize like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one who feels this way and who's lonely and stuff. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams mm-hmm. feels the same way too. Wait a minute, what if I just get with Amy Adams? Like yeah. that, I mean obviously they don't fully, you know, dive into that at the mm-hmm. very end because it kind of yeah. ends on a cliffhanger, but it's almost that concept of like you're going through the same thing I I'm going through. We're kind of similar. Why have I always put up this wall with you mm-hmm. when I could have just been with you this whole time? I like, think that's it's, me. Yeah, that's I, what think I, took it, from I, it. I see where you're going. I think it's more about connecting with people in general, okay. as opposed right. to like a romantic thing between the two of them. Sure, but um, I, I completely see where you come from. Yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful final shot too. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, but but I don't know. That that's kind of what I what I what I feel is the concept of like. Every time someone feels like they're the only ones in the world or like feel left alone in the world or feel like they're not seen or that they only like a certain thing that no one really likes. And mm-hmm. it's all kind of just bullshit. If you just kind of open up your spectrum a little bit and the and, solutions like right in front of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's just my takeaway. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. I might be. Yeah. I mean, Scarlett Johansson is <laughs> a good option anyways, even if it's just <laughs> yeah, your voice. No, <laughs> just um, Scarlett Johansson's voice. I'm yeah, good, no, man. Yeah, no, I'm set. No, that's that's straight. I'm straight. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think this movie is one of the most beautiful movies, I think, too. And the way they have the production design, because I think they film. 
film, some of it in Shanghai, then some of it in downtown LA. And then, like, they stitched it, like, you know, they just cut them together, you know what I mean? Like, and just acted like it was, like, indistinguishable, you know? But I think that's pretty dope, right? Like, that's that's dope to show, like, the future. I mean, I think it it says something, you know, a little bit politically, right? Like, how our future... Oops, I'm sorry. This water bottle fell. Um, How our future is going to be influenced a lot by, by, you know, know, by Chinese, by by big money, you know what I mean? How that's going to influence our landscape here in downtown LA and I think that you know it reflects that in, in the production design here so I think that's really cool it really nice. is like a stunning yeah. movie to look at for sure yeah and it's the a D- beautiful movie DP uh, I really can't pronounce his name but uh, Yate Van I don't know I'm solid really, effort uh, it's solid a solid effort, effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Swedish guy he's the guy who did uh, Dunkirk as well yeah uh, I totally know that guy I want to say Interstellar yeah, yeah, yeah I think he did Interstellar yeah he says right here Interstellar yeah so he's a he's a he the soft form coach I think that's also what makes this movie unique too because a lot of times, you know, me and Cody have kind of talked about how, like, a lot of movies now either evoke the real orange or the real blue kind mm-hmm. of aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but this one has a very warm, very light kind of blue, not blue, kind of the warm, oranges aesthetic to, yeah. you know, present some sort of optimism and love. Mm-hmm. Um, also, again, salute to Rooney Mara for being in this movie, too. She's yeah. great in her oh, scene. I yeah. love Rooney Mara. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a movie that has inspired other movies. Like, you said before, it inspired a little bit of Black Mirror. Yeah, it inspired, inspired a, a lot little, of Blade Runner. A little bit of Blade Runner 2049, <laughs> yeah, just a, a little bit. Just it was one scene, that I could see them borrowing. <laughs> I see the entire movie. But uh, it's the concept of like falling in love with your AI, too, yeah, that, yeah. that Blade Runner yeah. 2049 kind of yeah. talks about as well. Yeah, I mean, this movie is ahead of its time for sure. I feel like it's very much ahead of its time because it's going to be a movie that a lot of people imitate in the future. Kind of like yeah. what we're talking about being Jal Malkovich and how there's people making you know, the, the line yeah. between horror and comedy and all that stuff that people are making now. I think people are going to start to make like similar movies to her and how society can progress to a point where concepts that we never considered and that we consider to be weird and which I still probably consider to be weird. <laughs> if Cody comes in here, he's like, I'm in love with my phone, man. Part of me is going to think that's a little You're weird. You're not going to be the Chris Pratt in that situation. <laughs> I'll probably like, not. Oh, that's cool. And you'll be like, all right. You'll be the Rooney Mara in that situation yeah. where she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but at the same time, it's it's something that I feel like a lot of filmmakers and future filmmakers like RB3 are probably going to use in their work. <laughs> hey, so yeah, hopefully, there you go. Any yeah. last word on Mr. Spike? Uh, that's it for me. Spike, oh, man, just please keep making movies. But he hasn't made a feature length yeah, film man. since her. He's done some music videos. Yeah, music stuff, videos. Gonna but, stop, uh, stop hanging out with Kanye. And start yeah, making yeah start making some movies. God I damn just, it, Spike I, Jones, I, we love you. Every time he does something, I love it. So I, I hope he keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the name of the song. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it full circle today, guys. Hey, that's it. There you go. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Meaning of Podcast. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. Uh, let us know what's your favorite Spike Jones music video. What's your favorite movie of Spike Jones? Anything in the comment section down below, what you think of Cody Hall, let us know in the comments and we might read your comments on next week's episode. Either way, what I want to do is give a big thank you to Mr. Cody Hall for oh, being a guest on this episode. It. Thank stop you so it. much. Thank brother. you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad you guys are recording here every week. Yeah, you man. see you every yeah. week. This is, this is a lot of fun today. Our first official sad. guest, I believe it was a success. Yeah. You can follow Cody Hall at The Real Cody Hall on Twitter and get him to Mr. 10,000 yeah. followers that he's almost there. He has a great profile picture of Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum. That's right. In a big pile of dino Looking shit. Looking at the poop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's what's up. Uh, you could, you could uh, do the two chains verse on that. Big <laughs> shit like a dinosaur did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's did Spike Jones direct that? Because Cody yeah, Hall yeah, is yeah. big <laughs> shit, bro. Yeah, Cody Hall. Either way, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will... 
be back next week. And for the meeting of podcast, I'm Ace. This is RB3. And you're peacing out. Peace out, guys. <laughs>